So Money episode 659, Ask Farnoosh, with special co-host John Bankin from Citizens. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. You're listening to So Money, everyone. Happy Friday, December 1st, 2017. It is countdown till the end of the year. And I think a lot of us are, well, if you listen to this podcast, I'm going to make an assumption here that you that you care about your finances. The end of the year usually means checking off uh, your to-do list when it comes to maybe tax planning or Christmas shopping, holiday shopping, getting your balance sheets in order, all that good stuff. And uh, hopefully this podcast has been helpful to you along that path. And today we have uh, a special co-host. You may remember him. He was on So Money earlier in October. I want to welcome back John Banken, who is the president of Citizens Bank Wealth Management. And as uh, you may or may not know, Citizens and I are in partnership right now. We're working on helping to spread the good word about retirement planning and investing. And Citizens has rolled out recently a new online banking platform called Specify, which we're going to learn more about in the next 30 minutes. And there's actually a special offer. So wait till the end to hear how you can engage with Specify uh, with uh, a special discount. John was here earlier in the in the quarter talking about his own personal financial life. So check out that was uh, back on October 26. And I've invited him back to help me sift through some of your investment and retirement planning questions. I know here in the Tarabi Dusinger household, my husband and I had to pick health benefits. Uh, he just switched jobs and it's not open enrollment period, but Man, we had like 12 different medical plans to go through. And I know that wherever you are, whether that's health benefits or your investment options, it can be overwhelming. So to help us kind of uh, get some strategy together, at least for the investment quotient of that, is John Bank. And John, welcome to So Money. Hi, Farnoosh. How are you? Great to be here. Great to hear your voice. Hey, how was your Thanksgiving? It was terrific. It was terrific. I visited my family in New York and everybody had a great time. We had a special treat. My niece uh, got engaged and so we had a little engagement party for her. So it was a lot of fun. That is fun. You got a little Thanksgiving, a little engagement party. That's a a nice way to celebrate uh, the day of thanks to share an engagement. That's super cool. And in fact, I uh, I was in Pennsylvania and we stopped at a kind of a plaza area to get some pizza on Sunday coming back from Lancaster where my husband's family lives. And wouldn't you know it, there was a citizen's bank in the plaza. So I, uh, it reminded me that we were going to have a conversation on this Friday. So, uh, citizens is, is there when you, when you least expect it sometimes. I didn't think it was going to be in that shopping plaza, but there it was. And so specify. Let's talk about Specify. When you were on earlier, you uh, had mentioned that you know this automated platform, investment platform, had just rolled out. And by the way, I want to tell people that you know there are a lot of different robo advisors out there. We talk about them on this show, but Specify is unique in that it's both in an automated investment platform and it gives you access to real licensed professionals 
to help you guide your investment planning. So it's a little bit of a hybrid in that sense. How has the rollout been going? The rollout has been going uh, really great. Frankly, the um, the response that we've gotten to it um, from uh, online and sort of um, calls into the uh, investment center that we have have been really pretty amazing. A lot of enthusiasm uh, for it. Some of the features uh, that we offer there, I think, are things that are really resonating with uh, with clients. Uh, the one thing that you you point out, which I think is uh, is spot on. Being able to have a digital experience, but be able to also talk to a, you know, an advisor who you can build a little bit of rapport with to work your way through, uh, is very, very popular, uh, with, uh, with clients. So I think that's, um, that's great. And people really like the, um, the aggregation feature, uh, to it. So even if you don't want to use citizens, uh, specify to manage, uh, your portfolio for you, the, your ability to track it against your existing portfolio against, um, um, what what the uh, what specify uh, would have recommended for you uh, is very very popular uh, with people and so we're we're actually seeing the number of people that are linking their portfolios to the specify portfolios to sort of monitor their progress uh, going forward is is really getting to be a big number so it's uh, it's good and we're very 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 pleased with the response that we're getting are people taking advantage of the live help of the actual you know flesh and blood human being that can actually give you some financial planning advice as opposed to just the automated portion. Yeah, no, they they definitely are. And and we're seeing clients actually use um, the live advice um, multiple times. Um, so people will first call uh, typically to learn a little bit more about specify what it really is, uh, what it does for you, how it helps you uh, simplify your financial life. Um, and and then they'll often go back and do some more research online, and then they'll often call back again and want to talk about going, as they're going through the uh, enrollment uh, process to to create your um, your portfolio uh, that's uniquely tailored to your needs. Um, they'll often call again and and talk a little bit more to make sure that they understand some of the terms. Some of it is technical, like you were saying before, like your health benefits, and you just have to be familiar with uh, some of the language around it. But um, but all good. Oh, good. Well, John, let's help people further simplify their finances. We've got some retirement and investment questions here from a number of listeners. And the first one is from Alana. She just got married. Congrats, Alana. And her question is how to best combine she and her husband's retirement planning. So I think this is typical. A lot of people get married and they have their own financial lives, right? Independent. And then they get married and they're wondering, what do we combine? Do we have to really merge accounts? And so each contribute to their workplace 401ks separately. And her question is, should they also have a joint account for long-term investing? What do you think? Well, I think you're, you've asked a, a lot has asked a whole lot of questions here in a relatively <laughs> short uh, short question. Um, but I would say uh, the first thing is no, you don't have to uh, merge accounts. Uh, everybody can have their own uh, 401k uh, plans themselves, and uh, we strongly recommend that they um, that they do that. Um, I'd say the the first step though in uh, in preparing to make sure that you're maximizing the value. Is looking to see that um, that um, that Alana and her husband are contributing enough to receive the full match that they should be receiving if they're in a uh, employee employer sponsored plan that is providing a match to them. So what do I mean by that? That that basically means that if you're 
um, they're usually step functions that are built into 401k plans. And the more you contribute, the more that your employer will actually match uh, your savings. So the best thing to do is to make sure that you're both not contributing at the lowest level, that you're trying to max out um, sort of the one plan to get the maximum uh, match is, uh, is an important first thing to take a, a look at. Um, the second is, uh, to the extent that you are contributing, contribute as much as you possibly can. And we talked about this uh, previously, getting on a plan earlier to put money away. The power of compounding uh, is really, really great. And the younger you start that, um, the better off that uh, you are. A couple of tips, though, there um, for New Alana on that is, uh, first, uh, if you're just starting out your career or if you think that you're going to be in a higher tax bracket in the future than you're in today, you should be considering directing uh, your contribution to a Roth account within uh, the 401k. Um, so a, a Roth account uh, allows you to contribute post-tax dollars, uh, and then the account, uh, the account's investment um, growth uh, then grows tax-free uh, as you move uh, through time. And when you use um, use those uh, proceeds uh, in retirement, you're able to take those uh, distributions out and they're not taxed. Um, so that's always uh, a good thing. So something to consider um, there. Um, another thing that a lot of people don't think about because it's slightly different, but it's really all part of your retirement plan is um, if you've maxed out all the benefits that you can get from a 401k, from an employer 401k, um, it's also uh, good to take a look at uh, health savings accounts. So you might say, gee, how does health savings account fit in um, on something like that? Well, health savings accounts are really powerful savings tools uh, that are offered by uh, many employers. And unlike a 401k, um, the health savings account has a triple tax advantage um, associated with it. So it allows you to save money on a pre-tax uh, basis. Um, it'll, it allows um, the funds to grow on a tax deferred in a tax deferred way. Uh, and then it, uh, if the proceeds are used um, for medical expenses, the proceeds come out on a tax-free basis. So that's a really, uh, really, really powerful um, uh, tool. And then the final piece is um, many um, plan sponsors, many employers uh, like Citizens uh, will contribute to the HSA um, on your behalf. So not only do you get all those tax advantages, but you can uh, comp you can get a match from your uh, employer oftentimes by doing that. And then obviously you can use those health benefits in retirement. So, you know, pretty, pretty powerful tax planning uh, tool. I will just add, and thank you, John, for all those solutions. I think that uh, if I were to add one other thing is that, you know, in my own household, Tim and I, we go about our retirement similar to how you described it, you know, investing in our own separate accounts. He at his company's uh, 401k and I work through because I work for myself. I have a SEP IRA. But you know, we, uh, we've maxed out those contributions and we want to do more. So now what's next, right? So, um, he's got a Roth IRA. I uh, also opened up a brokerage account, uh, where there isn't, the tax benefits aren't as f fantastic as say a 401k or a Roth IRA. But I think at that point, once you feel like you have maxed out the workplace benefits, the Roth, that you want to do more, I think in that case, then a diversified portfolio through a brokerage uh, or an automated platform could be a next best way to go about it. What do you think? 
No, I, I totally agree uh, with that. I think that's uh, very wise and prudent of you and your husband uh, to do that. I'd say two, uh, two caveats um, in doing that, though, is um, be careful not to become too overzealous and get too much money tied up in the market. Uh, because we we do know that over time the market does trend uh, in an upward direction, which is always um, which is a good thing, but it's not a straight line, and the market will go up and down. And so maintaining cash reserves uh, for life's let's call them little surprises, I think is um, generally a really good thing uh, to do. Um, and most people would say six to twelve months of your after-tax income is a good uh, reserve for people to. Uh, have put aside for the little surprises. And then the second is make sure you have a plan that you're, as you are savings, whatever you're using that money for, whatever you're planning to earmark it for, if it's retirement, it's, it's relatively easy, but try to match how much risk that you're prepared to take with what the goal of that additional savings um, is. And generally speaking, um, the longer um, that you have in your plan, uh, you'll be able to sort of wait out some of those ups and downs that do take place in the market. But that's For sure. a very, very good thing. Yeah, we're, we're approaching this brokerage account as if it was another retirement account. So we're not looking, uh, we're not getting nervous about the fluctuations. There have been many <laughs> and there will be more in the future. But hopefully by the time we go to withdraw it t- decades down the line, it, it, it'll, be a, it'll be a benefit. All right, let's go to Millie. Uh, she is not interested in retirement investing, although I think she probably has that covered. Her question is more about you know, shorter term goals. Um, so if you're thinking of buying a home in the next three to five years, and that's going to require a down payment, should you invest that money, that down payment savings um, in, in the stock market? Uh, in other words, you know, how much risk can we really assume for shorter term goals that are, say, only a three to five year horizon? Yeah. So, um, so I would say again, um, you know, I would, I personally would not put money into the, um, the equity markets into an investment portfolio unless I had a good reserve, uh, cash reserve behind me. But once you accomplish that, I think it, it can be good to, uh, to invest, uh, in, uh, for the future in different ways. I'm really conservative, uh, for Nusha, and so I, I'm not sure I would recommend somebody saving for a home in a three to five year time frame to put their money into the equity markets. I just don't think it's a, you know, a, a wise thing to do. I do think there are other opportunities, though. A great example of that would be uh, saving for a children's education. Uh, whether you're planning to pay the, um, to fund the entire amount or simply, uh, augment scholarships or other loans that you might take or something like that, just given the length of time that that can be, I think that's another, uh, really good, um, uh, alternative for sort of building for, uh, for the future and using, uh, balanced portfolios in the way that you actually do that. But I wouldn't, I really yeah. wouldn't do a, a house. I mean, maybe Millie, you could look into a certificate of deposit or, uh, yeah, something that's l- much less risk. And, you know, I think that if you go all the way back to my very first book, the investing chapter is all about, you know, how to properly diversify and approach the market, given your risk tolerance and the realities of, you know, all the returns that the markets provide. I think that if you have a goal that is something that you want to achieve in five years or less, that money should be as liquid and uh, as in as much of a safe haven as possible. Um, anything longer than that, you could look at more riskier 
um, asset classes. But yeah, cash is king when it comes to a short-term goal like like building up a down payment reserve or you know um, money that you want to shore up for a wedding or the baby that you want to have in a couple of years. So all that, keep that cash safe. Tamara wants to know, John, how often should she check on her retirement savings? You know, we often hear the approach of just buy and hold. Um, we've talked about already, you know, not to get too caught up in fluctuations if your goal is to retire in, you know, 30 years. But at the same time, you know, you do want to stay in the know. So what's a good balance? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, I actually don't think you need um, to check in on your retirement savings um, all that frequently to uh, to be successful. Um, as a matter of fact, there are studies that show that people who do check in uh, more frequently are likely to hurt themselves uh, more than help themselves in doing that because they often get tempted into making changes um, in their portfolios based on uh, short-term market uh, conditions rather than sticking to sort of the long-term plans that they, they put in place for themselves. Um, I think the key is um, uh, developing a savings and investment strategy that will uh, satisfy the lifestyle that you're looking for um, in retirement and then just uh, stick with it. Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't look at your portfolio periodically. I'd say once or twice a year is probably a, a, a good measure. The things that you want to be looking for there are the fees um, that you're paying or the asset allocation uh, that you're actually using. Is it still in sync or do you need to do any uh, rebalancing? And then, of course, you always want to look at in a diversified portfolio, um, if you're using mutual funds or ETFs, you want to make sure that you're getting the right investment performance from them. And if not, over a sustained period of time, you might want to think about making some adjustments. So I think it's um, it's all good. I'm so glad you brought up fees. That was you took the words right out of my mouth, John. You know because I think that that's an area we often overlook. We just focus on maybe the portfolio management fee, and then we forget that there are these assets within the portfolio, and each of them carries typically another fee, um, a management fee. And I get letters sometimes from my, uh, you know, from my uh, investment house, like, "Hey, uh, this particular fund is no longer it was is getting retired or is no longer existing, so we've replaced it with something new." And at that point, it's a good idea to check and say. And see, you know, what is this like fund and how much more or less is it or is it comparable in fees? I actually one time a few years ago when I was working with a financial planner, I uh, I asked her if you could just give me a list of uh, all the assets that were in the portfolio and all of the related fees. And I went through one one by one and um, I ended up swapping out a few of them that I just thought were too expensive, you know, that I could probably find something comparable through either an exchange traded fund or an index fund for uh, less. And, you know, a 0.32 percentage, you know, ratio or fee, it doesn't sound like a lot. And some of these fees have less than a 1% um, attached to them. And in those cases, I think you're in a safe place. But if it's more than 1%, um, I would look at alternatives because that, like we talked about earlier, compounds, compounding is the name of the game here, which can benefit us sometimes, but can also cost us sometimes. So, do the math. I did the math once, John, and it was you know hundreds of thousands of dollars going to um, management fees that you know I could otherwise um, eliminate, not entirely, but I could definitely um, trim down by just making a few different decisions and choices. Yeah, no, 
Yeah, no, totally, totally agree. I mean, as an industry, the financial industry fees on managed money products have come down. Um, if you went back and you looked at, um, say, an S&P 500 fund from 10 or 15 years ago, people might be paying 125 basis points as a management fee on on something like that. And, you know, today, uh, Farnoosh, um, an ETF could be three or four basis points. So there's a very, very big difference. So what you do, I think, on those things, and it sounds like the process that you went through, is you look at um, – the uh, the fees that you're actually paying for the mutual fund that you're using or the ETF that you're using, sometimes it'll make sense for you to sell out that position um, and then move to a, a less expensive vehicle. In other instances, rather than pay the taxes, you might just leave that money in there, but all new additions, there are other much cheaper ways um, of capturing sort of S&P exposure, S&P 500 exposure uh, in your portfolio and all the new money that you put in, uh, you can uh, you can put in that. So, you know, thinking about fees and watching that stuff closely is important, which is, and you mentioned Specify, one of the other things that we're hearing uh, from clients around Specify is, they really like sort of the the low cost associated with um, with Specify. Um, sort of the underlyings uh, are all ETFs that we use in the portfolio, which uh, I think the maximum uh, uh, the maximum management fee on the ETFs in the portfolio are two or three basis points, and then the uh, the management fee um, is 50, 50 basis points, which is about half of what you would typically pay with um, other outside managers. So cost is really important in uh, in all of this. Indeed, yeah, fifty basis points is definitely uh, <laughs> on average it's <clears throat> half uh, what you'd pay a you know a professional boutique advisory firm. Um, Rich is considering changing careers, John, and working for a nonprofit in his retirement years. How would that impact his retirement planning today? Yeah, well, no. That well, first of all, I want to commend Rich uh, for thinking about uh, doing that. I think sort of not-for-profit service can be one of the most fulfilling things that you uh, you do in life, whether you you know uh, serve on boards or you volunteer or you work for them. I think it's uh, it's good all the way around. Um, so, you know, when you do change careers and move into uh, not-for-profits, um, it doesn't necessarily have to change at all your retirement strategy. Um, in a general sense, not-for-profits uh, or, um, or 501c3 uh, organizations typically have retirement plans called 403, uh, excuse me, 403b plans that are very similar to 401ks. Um, and you can contribute on a pre-tax or po- uh, post-tax uh, basis, just like you would with any uh, 401k. Um, so, <clears throat> excuse me, going to work for um, um, a not-for-profit shouldn't really have any impact on it. The one good impact uh, can be if you do it later in life, um, is it allows you to, pro, um, you know, to extend or prolong the amount of time before you start taking money out of retirement. So a lot of people, uh, as they get to later phases of their career, start to look for some sort of service that they can do, like in a not-for-profit organization, uh, and they'll go do that for the last five or seven or ten years of, of their career, which can extend out the time as you're still earning working for the not-for-profit before you have to start taking money out of um, out of retirements. Um, but uh, it's great. I'm always for finding a something to retire to. You know, in retirement, they always say you're not retiring from work; you're retiring to a new life. So think about it that way. What are some ways you can still stay active? Ideally, generate income so that you can continually. Um, 
kind of be financially self-sufficient and not have to worry about tapping your retirement accounts uh, because, uh, you know, we're living longer, right? So, exactly. And everybody's healthier, too, yes. and they want to work longer and they want to be vital and sort of it's a great way to do it, great way to do it. Awesome. All right. Rounding us out is Layla, John, and she is 33 years old. She feels as though retirement is really far off. Um, especially now, you know, I feel like the retirement age is getting pushed back further and further. Whereas for my parents' generation, it might be something like 63 or 65. And now we're saying 70, 75, as we just talked about, we're living longer and we're healthier. So, you know, what should she be doing now to, to plan for her future? Does she really have all that much time? She has a 401k, but she's wondering if that's enough. Yeah, well, it's a, it's let's say I don't know if it's enough, but it's a really good place to start. That's the golden question, right? What's enough? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do we have all well, day, I, just, I guess, <laughs> to answer that. Well, I think I, you know, I think there are a couple of things um, there. First is making sure that you're thinking about what, as we were saying just a few minutes ago, what retirement looks like for you, right? And so understanding sort of what you need from retirement. You know, what are you trying to do? Most people are trying to maintain. The lifestyle um, that they have before they retire, they'd like to uh, maintain in retirement. And then I would say the key thing to do is to get a retirement checkup. And there's all different variations on retirement checkup. We offer one uh, here at Citizens, which is um, you know a five or a seven minute um, exercise where you just talk about what you're trying to accomplish. And we have a little checkup tool that we use with our clients. Clients love it. And they can see sort of are they on track to get to where they uh, want to be when they want to retire. And there's always things, particularly when you're young, there's always things that you can do to um, to adjust to make sure that you are prepared when you would like to uh, to retirement to retire. So some of the things that um, we we would typically look at um, in helping a client do this, and this is a free service uh, that we we provide to our clients. But um, are you saving enough? Is the key question, right? So, um, and as we know adding a little bit more money now can make a very, very big difference through the power of compounding uh, later in life. So making sure that you're, you're putting away the, as much as you can now is, uh, is really important. It is. I mean, um, I was just writing an article about how your investment strategy is not just about how much you invest, but when you start investing. So, exactly. you know, you start when you're young and you save as much as you can, even though it may not seem like a lot, but getting a head start can um, make a complete difference. And something fun, Layla, for you to do, I don't know if this is fun, but I mean, I think it's pretty neat. You go to the Social Security website and you can figure out what your payment estimate may be in retirement. Now, there's a whole debate about whether it'll be there when you're ready to retire, but <laughs> let's hope for the best. It might put things in a little bit of perspective for you. Like, okay, so this is what I'm entitled to get in retirement. You may realize it's very little, but it's something. And from there, you can build from there. And, and a lot of retirement calculators will ask you for that number anyway. So it's just good to have that and check it out. A couple of other things there. Just, you know, one, and you mentioned you and your husband are doing this. You're maxing out your 401ks, but you're also saving money in some other accounts. Other things to look for there is cash drag. So a lot of times you'll have trapped dollars uh, in those accounts that are not working hard enough for you. So thinking about how you can get those in those investment accounts um, in, um, invested in the right kind of way is uh, is important. And then also making sure that you've got good diversification in your portfolio also, um, because 
um, the, the more you can diversify your portfolio, um, sort of the less risk, under risk uh, that you're going to take uh, in the portfolio. So those might be some other helpful ideas. Yes. Oh, and one last thing. She's 33. And if she hasn't started investing yet, you know, the general rule of thumb is 10% of your of your salary towards retirement. But if you haven't started and you're in your 30s, I think you might want to jumpstart that and maybe think about doing 15 or 20% just because you did miss out on that decade. And uh, same goes for anybody who's even closer to retirement, you know, in your 40s and 50s, 60s. If you really feel behind, then this is the time to really pare down those expenses, downsize, and put as much as you can towards retirement. Um, I mean, it's just for your own benefit. And it may seem like a really hard way to go about your financial life, but you know, I know people who come arrive in their 40s and 50s feeling very unprepared. And so part of it is saving more, but part of it is trying to earn more as well. Um, so it's just some things to think about for those of us on the podcast, you may feel behind. And that's a lot of people. I just read a survey that most people uh, arriving near retirement feel ill-prepared financially. So not to end and on a bad note. Wonder, <laughs> no, but they, and they underestimate, well, on an optimistic note, they underestimate how long they'll live. Um, you know, sort of, I think the statistic is now that if you live to be 60 years old, you're 50 50 probability to live to be 90. That's a long time in retirement. You got to make sure that you're really prepared for that. Well, thanks for turning things around for us there, John. <laughs> um, I want to just mention for those of you who, who joined us until the end, I promised a special offer from Specify. And this is here. Here it is. If you open a Specify account by December 31st, 2017, the monthly management fee will be waived for your first three months. The promotional period begins on the date that you have funded the account with a minimum balance of $5,000 and it ends after 90 calendar days. Now, to qualify for this offer, your account must meet the minimum balance within the 90 calendar days of enrollment. And to learn more, you can go to citizensbank.com slash specify. All right, John, thank you so much. Wishing you a great rest of 2017, a relaxing holiday, and really appreciate all the advice you've given us. Looking forward to... uh, to working more with you uh, later this season. That sounds great, Farnoosh. Thanks for having me, and you do a great service for all your listeners, so it's terrific. <laughs>